0: Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we talk about strategies and tips for how to make life happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, we'll talk about using the checklist for habit change, and we'll share some of the best holiday hacks that we got from listeners. We got a lot of great ones. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, I have to say, our best holiday hack is go to Kansas City and free ride off of mom's gorgeous decorations.
1: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yeah, Gretchen, I am headed there tomorrow morning. I can't wait.
0: Ooh, that's so great. But Elizabeth, we heard from so many listeners who were thinking about you
1: because of the fires. It was so scary. Yeah. L.A. and the surrounding area had a bunch of fires. It sort of felt like Armageddon. It was very tense. One was pretty near our house. We lived near the Getty Center, and it was near the Getty. And so I really appreciate everyone reaching out to make sure we were okay. We were. We were never even in danger of evacuating, although we thought we might have to be. But it's a lot of people lost their houses, and it was just awful. So, um, you know, hopefully that'll be it for the fires this year. Yeah, I mean, something like that really reminds you of
0: what you have to be thankful for. You know, wow, it's serious. Absolutely. Well, this week, Elizabeth, our Try This at Home tip is to use my checklist for habit change. If you're thinking about changing a habit in 2018 to make yourself happier or healthier or more productive or more creative, I have this one-page checklist for habit change that I think can be a really helpful tool.
1: So Gretchen, can you describe what it is and why it's useful for all of us who don't know what it is? Okay.
0: Yeah. So if you want to get it, you can email me as always at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or you can go to the show notes for uh, this episode. So it's happiercast.com slash 148 and I'll give you the link. Um, But what it is is so in my book, Better Than Before, I talk about the 21 strategies that we can use to make or break our habits. And Alyssa, I think you remarked and many people remarked like 21 is a lot. Like, give me five. Don't give me (laughs) 21 feels like too many. But it's actually good because some of these strategies work for some people, but not others. And some of them are available to us at some times of our lives, but not at other times of our lives. So what the checklist is meant to do is at the top, there's a place where you identify a habit that you want to change and you want to be as specific as possible. So you wouldn't want to say something like, I want to eat more healthfully Because that's very vague. You want to say something like, I want to pack a lunch from home and bring it to work three days a week instead of ordering fast food. You know, something very specific. Mm -hmm. And then it lists all 21 strategies so you can go through and think like, well, how would I apply the strategy of pairing? Or how would I apply the strategy Mm -hmm. of convenience? Or how would I apply the strategy of treats? The strategy of treats, by the way, is the most fun strategy that we should all use. And Mm -hmm. so I think, because what happens... Is that when you're trying to change a pretty significant habit, a lot of times you have to use a lot of strategies simultaneously, which sounds really hard. It's really not that hard, but I think it's sometimes in your head, everything's swirling together. And this just helps you sort of think through, Okay, bit by bit, what are the little steps that I could take that might really make this big change easier?
1: Yeah, and I think one thing that people find surprising about your strategies is your insistence that there's no one best way. Yeah, like get a, <clears throat> sorry, uh, sorry, Gretsch. I have a, a cough. I'm getting over a cold, so my voice is a little <laughs> scratchy, and I'm coughing. <laughs> um, but like for instance, get up early and do a first thing, or start small. It's like. It's not necessarily the case that you have to do one of those things. It's like there isn't a best way. It's what works for you, right?
0: A hundred percent. And you know, it's funny because I think sometimes people are frustrated because they're like, just tell me what to do. Just give me the one best way. Give Mm -hmm. me the five bullet points. And that if I did this, it would work. But the fact is, we all know that that doesn't, there is no one best way. I mean, you just look around the world, you think about yourself, you're like, there's obviously no one best way because so many people do different things with great success. And On the other hand, so many things don't work for people, even though someone else is insisting, oh, I promise you, if you just get up early and do your run first thing, that'll make it easy. And you're like, well, no, it really doesn't make it easy. And what happens a lot of times, I think, is that people start feeling like, well, if it works for you and it doesn't work for me, I need to change. There's something wrong with me. I'm lazy, I lack willpower, I don't have any self-control. What's wrong with me that I can't do what other people can do? Whereas, like you say, that's exactly what you would think. Of course, some things work for some people and don't work for other people because people are different. We're all different. So you know what works for one person just doesn't necessarily work for somebody else.
1: Right. And not only that, but I think one of the keys is what you're saying about it actually could be counterproductive. So using a strategy that works for one person that doesn't work for you could have the opposite effect. It could keep you from doing what you want to do. Okay, so Gretch, we can't go through all twenty one in detail, but why don't you hit some of the best um, the best strategies, the highlights yeah. um, that everybody can sort of put in their brain and use
0: well, the first of the few are the strategies of the four tendencies and the strategies of distinctions, and this just gets to like what kind of person are you? Are you a morning person or a night person, are you a simplicity lover or an abundance lover? what's your tendency? This is just about self-knowledge. So that just basically allows you to make more effective choices. Then there are ones that are like the pillars of habits. And one of these is the strategy of scheduling, which is that if you put something on the calendar for a lot of people, that makes it much more likely that it follow, that you follow through with it.
1: Yeah. Now, Speaking of strategy of scheduling, Gretch, my New Year's resolution is that I want to weigh myself every day. Ooh. I was talking about that on Happier in Hollywood. And that's a habit. I want to have the habit of weighing myself every single day. And I'm thinking strategy of scheduling is good. Like I should weigh myself at the exact same time every day. So then it's like on the schedule. That's like a- right after I brush my teeth, I should weigh myself.
0: So that's a great idea. Can I suggest other strategies that might be useful around that habit?
1: Yeah, let's hear it. Okay.
0: So one of the, um, another strategy that works really well is monitoring. Um, And that is what your habit Mm. is meant to do. It is meant to help you monitor how much you weigh. And the fact is, research shows that when we monitor something, we tend to do a much better job with it, whether it's how many times we read to a child at night, how often we lose our temper, how much we spend in a day how much we weigh. Monitoring is great. So gold star for you. You are using the strategy of monitoring to help yourself maintain a healthy weight. And so you could use the strategy of scheduling to do that. You could also do pairing instead of saying that you're going to weigh yourself after you brush your teeth. Say you're going to weigh yourself before you brush your teeth and you can't brush your teeth until you weigh yourself mm. because you're not going to want to oh, go a good out into your day without brushing your teeth. So you yes, want to have that's a it Great idea. So now it's scheduled, but it's also paired. Mm. Now, another one to think about is the strategy of safeguards. And that's when you think about why you might trip up. Can you imagine what might stop you from weighing yourself if this is something that you want to do?
1: Well, feeling like I ate a lot the day before and oh. I have gained weight, which is the whole reason I'm doing it is because, you know, <laughs> is to um, check myself. Right. So you want to make sure that you don't let yourself off the hook. So
0: to use the strategy of safeguards is to anticipate failure and like why something might, why you might not follow through with something. And one of the reasons that you might not do it is loophole spotting and loophole spotting is when you think of a reason why you don't need to. And so you want to think about, well, what are the loopholes that I might invoke? And I want to tell myself, I don't want to invoke those loopholes. I'm going to reject those loopholes. So like, and we're so good at thinking of loopholes. But like a loophole Mm, might be, I've been so good about weighing myself, I don't need to do it today. Or Mm, starting mm -hmm." tomorrow, I'm going to be so good about weighing myself, I'm going to let myself off the hook today. Or it's such a beautiful day today, I don't want to bring down my mood by seeing what the scale says.
1: Right, it's the weekend. Right,
0: right. I want to have it. And the thing is, you know, everybody can argue about whether certain habits are good habits or not. Somebody might say, Elizabeth, you shouldn't have that habit. But the fact is, this is a habit that you feel is going to make you healthier. And so the question then becomes, how do you stick to it? And that's where this checklist can come in.
1: Right. What's interesting is as soon as I announced this habit, I've already had people coming at me with why this is not a good idea. But because for them, it's not a good idea. But I know from my past experience that when I weigh myself every day, I lose weight. And when I don't weigh myself, I gain weight. So therefore, for me, this is a good habit. Right, right.
0: And that's, I think, the final test is like, how does this work for you? Because I find I think people out of the best intentions really do try to, we do try to argue with people. And I have this problem all the time where I'm trying to explain to somebody, no, 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 you should do it this other way. And then I have to always say to myself, hey, if this works for someone... I got to back off because I don't. And also, you don't want to, like, weaken someone's conviction about a habit that's really helping them. So for me to say something like, oh, you shouldn't start your day by doing X, Y, Z. You should do something else. It's like, well, this is what's working for them. So let them do it. Because I can sound like kind of a killjoy when I'm talking about all these strategies for a habit change. Let's mm-hmm, talk about mm-hmm. the best one, the most fun one. Okay. I wouldn't say it's the best one, but it's the most fun one. This is the strategy of treats. And this Mm. is the idea, and we've talked about this on the podcast. I will put a link to it in the in the show notes to previous episodes for people who want to hear more about why they should load themselves with healthy treats. But when we give more to ourselves, we can ask more from ourselves, and we don't want to give ourselves something that makes us feel better in the moment, but then just makes us feel worse in the long run, um, like food and drink or shopping or spending too much time on our devices. But I really think that you know people need a charge, they need a treat, and if I need a treat. I need something to reach for. And so we all want to have long lists of healthy treats so that when we get that feeling like with everything I have going on, with everything I'm asking myself to do, with all the sort of mildly unpleasant things that I'm asking from myself, I, I deserve a little treat, not a reward. You don't have to earn this. You don't have to justify it.
1: Just a little treat. So, Gretch, what are your treats?
0: Well, you know, I'm obsessed with the sense of smell. And so I have all these like weird, bizarre smell items um and so sometimes i'll just go smell like black march it just smells Mm. like black march day it's just like this i just love that i have a lucky smell so that if i feel like i really need a treat or i need i need to like comfort myself i only use this smell when i'm like really feel like i need something special that's an accord called hay that just oh it smells so beautiful um I use this app called Time Hop. I think I made it a happiness hack a while back. Mm. But it goes back through your photo archives and will show you like one year ago today, three years ago today, five years ago today. And so it's this this wonderful quick like if I just need a quick pick me up. It's you know, I think mm. a lot of people as a treat will look at photographs of people they love or yeah. like happy times. This is fun because it's sort of a random generator and it is always sort of funny, like, oh, what do we do? What were we doing five years ago? And then I'll forward it to you know various members of the family and one thing is mom keeps saying like oh i love seeing these like it's so fun to see like look how long eleanor's hair was five years ago or oh Uh look you know or look at barnaby when he was like we first got him um it's that to me is just like something that it's very effortless it's super quick it it often leads to connection and happy memories and so um, yeah that's the time hop app and uh so sometimes like you find that little thing that just gives you that quick pick me up. So I think because I, I think, you know, when you're thinking about habit change, a lot of times people have this sense of dread, like, oh, I don't want to have to try this again or ask this of myself. And what this checklist is meant to do is really make make it clear to you what you're asking from yourself. And a lot of times when it's very clear and you're like, well, I'm going to do this, this, this and this, it gives you a feeling of hopefulness and also kind of clarity in how to go forward. Because I think. I don't know about you but you know you think about these big things that you want to change it just feels sort of big and tangled and you don't know where to go and how do you start and
1: yeah and I think one of the great things about the checklist is that the that there are numerous strategies because then if one strategy yeah. falls away you have the backup of two or three other strategies. Right. When, and that will really help the habit stick.
0: Well, and then there's ones where you don't want to forget an opportunity. Like one of the strategies that's not available to us at all times is clean slate. And this is mm-hmm. when if you are if you start a new job, if you move, if you have a new relationship, if you go to a new, you know, you start school, all, all existing habits are wiped away and then new habits can come in more easily. And that's a great time to start a new habit. Like when people are trying to counsel people on how to quit smoking, they always say, if you move, that's a great time to quit smoking. And Remember
1: you- um, David Sedaris moved to Japan to quit smoking. Oh, that's right. He wrote a whole book about yes. it.
0: Yes. Well, that's bold. Yeah, well, there you go. That's clean slate like times a thousand. Um, and uh, so you don't want to miss that opportunity because you're if you're even like a week into your new uh, situation already habits will have crowded in and started to shape you. So, it, but so if you look at this checklist and you're like, oh wow, you know, now that I think about it, you know, I'm starting um, like my new job on January 8th.
1: Do you wonder what Donald Trump says to the reporters he calls up in the middle of the night?
0: Phone rings and it's Trump's assistant, and she says, "Mr. Trump is on the phone for you. Hold on." And that's the thing, it's like he just calls.
1: Maybe you wonder why liberals sometimes seem so intolerant of opinions other than their own. There's an orthodoxy you're supposed to conform to. And if you don't, you become a bad, evil person. Maybe you're the sort of person who wonders if we're ready for the next global pandemic. The most dangerous scenario is where something
0: breaks out somewhere else in the world and then is coming into the U.S.
1: I'm Jeffrey Goldberg. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic. And I want you to join me on my new podcast, The Atlantic Interview, where I ask all these questions and more of Bill Gates, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, Maggie Haberman, and many, many others. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: How am I going to build in this new habit? I don't want to lose an opportunity. Um, Because when you look at when people have successfully changed significant habits, very often it's associated with a move. So. So that's the checklist. Right. It's you know it's just one page. It doesn't take any time to fill out. Um, obviously, you kind of have to know what the what the titles of the strategies mean, but most of them are sort of like the strategy of convenience. I mean, I wrote a whole chapter about it, but I think you can figure out what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's meant to help people get clarity um, on like really if you if you really want to tackle something, you want to go to bed on time. There's a lot of things you can do to make that much much easier for yourself um, using the checklist. Absolutely. So let us know if you try it at home and if the checklist for habit change helps you figure out how to tackle an important habit. I would love to hear about your experience. Uh, let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at gretchenrubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. This is episode 148. So go to happiercast.com slash 148 for everything related to this episode.
1: Coming up, our holiday hack roundup. But first, a quick break. So, Gretchen, in episode 145, we talked about holiday hacks. We did a whole episode of holiday hacks and we asked everybody to send us their holiday hacks. And oh my gosh, we got an amazing <laughs> response. Yeah. Yes. And incredible reaction to what we suggested and people's ideas. And we were kind of blown away. So, we got to do a roundup of uh, what people sent in. Absolutely.
0: So one thing that we got a lot of responses to were responding to this idea of letting go of a holiday tradition that was no longer working. That seemed to really strike a chord. Um, Tracy wrote, our family is at the exact same place as Gretchen's. Oldest son at first year of college at MIT. Everything just feels different. Kind of a clean slate feeling like we can choose a new way to do things at the holidays. See, Tracy's talking about the clean slate, too. They have a new tradition, Mm -hmm. a new new habit. And so she's letting go of the holiday tradition of sending out more than 200 holidays. Christmas card. She said, I've done it for 25 years and that's enough.
1: Mm. And then Amanda said, when my parents divorced, my mom wanted to dial back on decorating her home for Christmas by not putting up slash decorating a Christmas tree. She still wanted to host us on Christmas Day for presents and a meal. As a mom of young children and an adult dealing with the change of parents divorcing, I demanded there be a decorated Christmas tree if we were to celebrate there. She met this demand and did so for several years. Over time, I realized it was more burden than joy for her and my demand was unfair. I'm a slow learner. When I finally let that go, she was able to enjoy the holiday celebration without the burden of unwanted decorating. So that's bittersweet, but still a good, um, sort of maturing process. Right. Letting go of a tradition that didn't work anymore.
0: Now Maria said that when she was growing up, she and her four siblings had a lot of fun exchanging presents, you know, the way you do. And she said, but as adults, it became less fun because they were all busier. They didn't want the clutter of all the stuff. There was a lot of pressure about buying gifts. And she said, both the giving and receiving <laughs> cost pain. Mm. She said, finally, we got, we got on a group text and decided that rather than exchange gifts, we would pool a set amount of money and make a donation to a charity. Each year, we decide the charity as siblings. This act has given me that sense of unity, closeness, and generosity with my brothers and sisters that the original tradition provided. And I think this is just an outstanding example of like, Thinking, well, what what mattered about the original tradition? How can we carry that forward in a way that reflects, like, our current values and our current, you know, realities? So I thought that was a fantastic idea.
1: Yeah, and that's a great hack. Yeah, that's a great hack. And then Lauren, along the same lines, her family realized that their secret Santa gift exchanges had stopped being fun and had become very (laughs) stressful. So they gave it up, but she felt a little sad about the lost tradition of swapping gifts. So she said then just this week, I got an email from my youngest sister suggesting that all four sisters participate in a Spotify holiday playlist swap. As simple as this sounds, it was such a lovely idea. It was great to see what each of us picked, where we had overlaps and old classics that I haven't listened to since we were kids. So, again, that's replacing one tradition that doesn't work anymore with a new tradition that works for everybody much better. But it still
0: has this idea of sharing and closeness and, oh, I see what you like and this is what I like. It's still that that sense of exchange and sort of benefit and giving and with like no money, no time. And it's sort of a playful thing to do. Um, Jen, this is simple. I had never heard this little rhyme before, but I think this is a great kind of uh, secret of adulthood for gift giving. Jenny says, the best holiday hack hacked I've ever found is limiting gift buying for my family to four things each. Something you want, something you need, something to do, and something to read. I think mm. that's a great, that's
1: a great rule. That is really smart. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Another quick one from Carolyn, who suggests taking something out of the box. This is great for people with young kids like me. For gifts that need assembly or batteries, get them set up ahead of time. That way children can just enjoy the present instead of impatiently waiting for you to deal with complicated packaging, instructions, and putting things together.
0: Oh, my gosh. We've all been there. Where like a little kid is hopping up and down wanting to do something, and you're like... But wait, we need a Phillips head screwdriver yeah, and a yeah. class C battery and you yes. know, and like I can't read the directions because they're like in microscopic print. So Yeah,
1: and you can still wrap it. You could just, yeah. you know, put it together and then
0: wrap it. But can I just say maybe this is being in a polder, like it literally would never have occurred to me that you could just go ahead and open it. Yeah, you, know, right. you could oh, take it yeah.
1: out of the box. <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: So Eliana has a great one about how to do something to make the holiday special. On winter solstice each year, we have breakfast for dinner, pancakes, hot chocolate, etc. And then we get in the car and drive around town looking at all the fanciest Christmas light displays. Our town puts out a map for these, but sometimes the ones that we just happen upon are the best. It's a fun way to celebrate the longest night of the year. So this is sort of like Mm. it it brings in the holidays. It's sort of an off holiday because winter solstice is is a different day. And Elizabeth, I mean, coming from Kansas City where there's the Plaza Lights and there's such a tradition of holiday lights, we do sometimes just like drive around and look at different because different neighborhoods will get really into it. You know, they kind of spur each other on. So I thought that was really fun. Like really make it into a thing, not just some casual like, oh, why don't we drive by? But really like we're going to make it into a whole fun family event.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, and then, as we all know, there's a lot of entertaining in the holidays. So Anne had a holiday hack around entertaining. She said, we have a visitor prep list. <laughs> when my family members ask, can I do anything to help you get ready? Well, she's winning right there. Yeah. The family <laughs> member's asking that. Yeah, And I'm at my wits end. I can just say, yes, please go through the house and check if everything is done from this list. This is genius, right? Yeah.
0: Because one of my secrets of adulthood is it's okay to ask for help, and you're right. It's like so often, someone asks if they can help. You want them to help, but you're so you're like, what? Can, I can't even think of like what could you do? And if and but some you could if you had a list, then you could just get something done. So smart. Yeah. Now Billy has something that I think is quite profound, and this goes to this idea of shared work. And I will put a link to a blog post that I wrote about the hard truths about shared work, which is one of my favorite things that I've ever written because I'm like obsessed Mm. with shared work. She says that her hack is do what matters to you. Whatever it is you want to see or do to make the holiday special, take ownership for making it happen. Mm. For example, when my husband and I were first married, I would nag him about putting Christmas lights up on the house because that was what my dad had always done. After a couple of years, I realized I cared about having Christmas lights up quickly for the holiday season. So I take ownership for that job. I think it's really true. If something's important to you, like, and it's not very important to someone else, you know, maybe you just want to do that yourself.
1: Yeah, that's probably the most important hack of all, right? (laughs) Because that can really reduce conflict. Yeah. Which is, that makes the holiday season so much nicer if you have less conflict.
0: Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And if what is important to you is getting done, then, then it doesn't like fester in your mind because you don't have to fuss with yeah. it.
1: And then it cuts down on nagging. Always yes, good. always good. Lisa had a suggestion about reframing, which, you know, Gretchen, yes. I'm obsessed yes. with reframing. You're the
0: reframing queen.
1: Um, I am. She said, even if you have a nice lifestyle, it's still easy to find things to complain or be down about. One time I was thinking about how there should be a gratitude camp for adults. In my imagination, this is a camp where you stay for a week in a crappy apartment and drive an old car and go to a boring job. It helps you realize what you have and be grateful for it. Uh, this I just love that idea.
0: I love the gratitude camp. And it's like, yeah. it's not going to be what you think. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, when we're all complaining in the holidays, we yes. can, in our minds, go to gratitude camp. Yes.
0: Here's another quick tip for last minute shopping. Lisa says, try shopping online and choose the pickup in store option. You can pick out what you want and be guaranteed to have it. Skip the checkout and not pay for shipping. I have found this to be faster and more reliable than online shipping toward the end of December. That's a good tip. I never have done that. I think that's, I want to think about that.
1: I have done that. Oh. Yes. And that's very good.
0: Yeah. Well, especially if there's like a toy you really need to make sure arrives.
1: Yeah, and like she said, you pay for it in advance, so you just have to go to, like, customer service and pick it up yeah. rather than, you know, going through the whole thing. Yeah. Now, Hope had an idea. Um, it's a fun idea that's a combo travel and holiday hack. She said, she was talking about when you travel, it's fun to find souvenirs, but they accumulate, which, of course, Scratch, we discussed. Yes. Clutter. <laughs> yes. Uh, Now she gets Christmas ornaments when she travels. They're inexpensive, easy to pack, and fun to look for. Then she says, when we get home, we write the location and year of the trip on the bottom of the ornament. Our family has accumulated enough through the years that we now have a trip tree, a small Christmas tree dedicated to our ornaments from trips. So that is a great idea. Yeah. Well,
0: revisiting happy memories from the past is one of the best ways to make yourself happy in the present. It's shared memories. So it's like everybody can laugh about everything that happened and remember. I mean, Alyssa, a long, long, long time ago, we went to Germany as a family, and mom went nuts because of their amazing yes. wooden ornaments. And, and, and one of my happiest memories and a souvenir that we have is like we're in this. Do you remember this? We're in this gorgeous store, it's full of treasures and beautiful handmade yes. things. And like mom's like, you can each pick out one thing. And so, and dad comes back with like yeah. this pine cone man, which was like a big pine yeah. cone with a little pine cone and like a little face a painted, beard a beard yeah. like pasted on and like a, a felt scarf. And I mean, we were howling with yeah. laughter. It was like the yeah. thing that your third grader would have brought home. And this was what he had chosen. Yeah. And it's still always displayed with pride on the mantelpiece because it's oh, such yeah. a happy memory for us of like that. I would never remember that store if it weren't for that one thing that happened there and then that one souvenir that we got. It's not an ornament. It doesn't hang on the tree, but it's a Christmas. It's a Christmas decoration.
1: Yes. And it yeah, it really does trigger like a whole like flood of memories. Yes. Yeah. I, in the past, always get a mug because, you know, I love mugs yeah. on trips, but I have like so little room now for mugs. Yeah, you're kind of mugged switch, out. Yeah. I'll switch to the uh, ornament. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Last time I was at your house, I was like, hmm, I think there's going to that she's reached the limit of this cabinet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) This is one that Rachel said that I really resonated with me. She said, when we get stuck in the store and my kids start getting a case of the gimmies, I wish I whip out my smartphone and have the kids take pictures of the toys they want. They've almost completely stopped asking for things. No more. Can I get this? But just can you take a picture of this? Now, I think this is really profound because what I found when I was uh, when my kids were little was when I thought my daughters were being really greedy by being like, look at this, look at this, look at this. I thought they were wanting it, but in a way they just wanted to acknowledge it as cool. They wanted me to be like, oh, my gosh, look at that little look at that little mouse with his little sled. You know, they just right. and taking a picture of it is like, wow, that is memorable. That's cool. So I think sometimes we think children are greedy when, in fact, that's just the only way they have to express their admiration for something.
1: It's like, yeah, well, I do think Jack is greedy, I have to say, but um, but I do this with him all the time. And well, I'm like, oh, you want that? Let me take a picture of it and we'll make sure it's on your birthday list. And a lot of the time, of course, he forgets about it anyway, but he feels that his desire is acknowledged. Right. It's like acknowledge the
0: feelings of other people. This is a way of acknowledging it. It's like I'm going to recognize yeah. the fact. Um, and here was a listen, you know, you had your idea of the cookie exchange. Um, so Danielle had a great idea. If you don't want to be the evil cookie bringer. She says, I used to do the cookie exchange with friends, but since then we have tried to find healthier alternatives. This year we are doing a soup swap. Everyone makes a big batch of soup and puts it in serving size containers that easily go in the freezer. It makes a much healthier alternative and gives you a quick meal when you are overwhelmed with Christmas errands and activities. I thought that's a great idea. I love soup. I would love to go and get like 10 different kinds of homemade soups. That
1: sounds like so
0: much fun and so cozy in the winter. I thought that was great. I think
1: I could actually make a soup. Yeah. (laughs) And Meredith does something that uh, we always did, Gretchen, which is that she marks different holidays and seasons with books. So board books, picture books, chapter books that are tied to the holiday. So and and then she gets them. So it's, it's Halloween books, Thanksgiving books, Christmas books. She has them put away for the rest of the year and only gets them out during that holiday. So it's a special thing that comes out for the holiday. And we absolutely do that. We do.
0: We do. And it's fun. It's like a fun way to incorporate books into your holiday tradition. And, uh, and then they feel fresh because the kids don't see them all the time. Well, so this was so much fun. I got so many great ideas. Listen to you,
1: you know, oh, yeah. It's, it's overwhelming all these good ideas. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So thanks so much for everyone who contributed because this is definitely going to make holidays
1: happier. Yes. Coming up, Gretchen gives herself a gold star related to her trip to London. But first, a little break.
0: Okay, it's time for demerits and gold stars. And Elizabeth, this is an even episode, which means it's your turn for a demerit.
1: Yes, and Gretchen, this week my demerit is... um, letting Jack see too much news. Ooh, yeah. Um, you know, we're supposed to kind of shield children from what's going on. Uh, I mean, you don't want them totally ignorant, but obviously they don't need to be getting scared from the news. And my desire to sort of have CNN on lately has bled sort of into like having it on in the family room when he's around. Mm. Um, And it's not a good thing, and I've just been kind of selfish about it, wanting the news on and thinking, oh, he won't even pay attention. Yeah, But of course, he does pay attention. Oh, he does. So he's interested. Yes, he is interested. And then, like, for instance, you know, we had the wildfires recently, and he got scared about the fires because he was hearing all this news about the fires. And, of course, Adam and I needed to know what was going on, but we shouldn't have it on for, you know, two hours and having it just sort of, scare jack right play and replay um, and yeah and even like political stuff like that's really he can't understand you know but he sort of half understands it's just you know i need to shield him a little more
0: yeah i sometimes catch eleanor reading the new york post uh you uh, know because oh. <laughs> i have left it out on the on the table and i'm like yeah i don't know yeah, it's Of course, hard.
1: the problem is then I'll turn it off really quick when something comes up, and he's like, what was that? Why did you turn that <laughs> off? Wait, I want to hear that. Don't, you know, unmute. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, gosh.
0: Yeah, no, the, there's nothing that makes something more interesting than growing up telling you that you shouldn't <laughs> listen to it.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I need to keep my eye on that. Uh, but Gretchen, what is your gold star? So
0: this is a gold star. Um, Now, Elizabeth, you know, when I visit you in L.A., I've often complained to you that I'm not oriented in L.A. It's like people talk about going over the hills or like we're going to go. We were going to go have this meeting in this part of town. And I don't know where it is and I don't know where to go. And I I have no sense of how long it takes to get from this place to that place or where I am in, in relation to other things. And when I got to London, I realized I had the same thing. Like I was staying in this hotel in Kensington Mm. and like, like where was I in relation to other places where I'd been in the past? I had no idea. And finally it occurred to me, this is not going to get any better if I don't try to learn. And so when Mm. I was in London, whenever, if I was, when I took this, I did take the tube. I was very proud of myself. When I took the tube, I would really look, I had a map from London that my hotel gave me. I would watch to see where am I going on this tube line? What am I passing? Mm. Like what's above my head? If I'm here, if I'm going from here to there, What's happening? Or if I was in a taxi, I would look on I would follow along and I would also use Google Maps on my phone to see like, well, where am I? What's the name of this neighborhood? Because I was I'm trying to develop a sense of how our place different places, different neighborhoods related to each other in New York. This is easier because there's a grid. And so I feel like it plots in your mind more easily. But maybe it's just because I'm used to New York. But I didn't get all the way with London, but I made progress. And I'm very excited when I come to L.A., to really, do, you know, have an exercise that's going to let me do this rather than just complain about it all the time and be helpless. And the fact of like, I have no idea how long it would take to get to XYZ place. You know, where is Santa Monica? I have no idea. Right. You know, right. I can learn that. Yes. Yeah, so um, um, I thought that was a major, a major step forward.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea. And I also think probably because you were alone on that trip, it sort of was easier because you you weren't like tempted to have conversation that would distract you from where you were going.
0: No, that's very true because actually I would really focus. I mean, I would spend a lot of time just looking at the map. You know, dad loves maps. He will like gaze at maps for Mm -hmm. such a long time. And now I kind of get it, you know, when you're trying to process it. So yeah, yeah, I think being by myself was a big help.
1: Well, good for you, Gretchen.
0: All right. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Use the checklist for habit change to change a habit in the new year. Let us know if you tried it and if it's a tool that
1: worked for you. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. We are also on Instagram. I'm at Liz Craft and Gretchen is at Gretchen Rubin. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, as
0: always, you know what I'm going to say. Please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts. Uh, The resources for this week, the checklist for habit change, obviously. Let me know if you want that. Just a one pager that'll help you track your habit changes. And speaking of tracking, I have a day-by-day journal that you write in that's also meant to be a tool to help you change important habits. There's all kinds of like don't break the chain and tips and questions to help you figure out how to structure a habit more effectively, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well.
1: Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen
0: Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward.